Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm your host at Clementi. We're very fortunate to have Hiram Jackson. He's the CEO of Real Times Media and the publisher of the Michigan Chronicle. And I know you do a lot more than what your title might say there. So why don't you welcome to the show, Hiram? Oh, thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah. No. And why don't you? I mean, I mean, most of us in Michigan know the Michigan Chronicle, of course. But why don't you talk us through a little bit about Real Times Media, too? That like what that is and all the other different branches you work with. Oh, sure. Thanks. So Real Times Media is a diverse multimedia company. Uh, we, uh, Real Times Media is the parent company located in downtown Detroit, uh, but we have media properties that are spread across the U.S., um, approximately 15 cities today. Uh, we do everything from robust websites, content creation, magazines, special events, newspaper publishing, book publishing. Um, I think the best way to summarize the work that we do is that we create all kinds of content, primarily around the African-American experience. And so when when you do that sort of uh, different content, what other cities? I know you mentioned there's 15, but can you highlight just a few you're in? Yeah, sure. I mean, we we have a news group division that consists of some really iconic and traditional black newspaper brands, the Pittsburgh Courier, the Chicago Defender, uh, the Michigan Chronicle, of course, uh, the Atlanta Tribune and the Atlanta Daily World. Uh, you know, a few of these papers go back to the turn of the century uh, and they have pretty much chronicled anything that is happening in the country, whether it be an African-American experience or a broader experience. So we, we, we are very proud of these iconic brands. We've done a lot of work, not only to keep them alive, but to have them thrive, which is why our strategy has been to diversify this, the, um, the, um, the way we create content and the way we distribute content. We have a brand called Who's Who in Black, uh, where we do book publishing and special events. Uh, we're in Houston, Dallas, Charlotte, Atlanta, Baltimore, D.C., Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, and Chicago. So uh, I don't know if that's 15 yet. So that company is uh, approaching 40 years old. It was started in Atlanta. Real Times Media purchased the company. In 2009, uh, to add to our portfolio, uh, we also have a company called Pitch Black. Pitch Black is a cultural marketing company. It looks and feels something like an ad agency or a marketing agency. Uh, but, you know, I'm really proud of the work that Pitch Black does. They focus on helping companies better understand the black community and how to connect with the African-American community. In, in engaging ways, uh, in, in very authentic ways that are culturally relevant so that these companies don't get caught up in doing very gimmicky stuff or or disrespectful campaigns and things like that. So, yeah, and, and, and so you can see that 
the people, you know, in Michigan, people tend to look at us as the Michigan Chronicle. We love the Michigan Chronicle. It is our staple. We still print it. It does. It still does very well. Um, but we are a much bigger, uh, diverse enterprise than most people realize. So when you uh, tell people, I know what you do. Do you think yourself as more of like digital too? Or are you into a lot of digital work as well? Yeah, m- most of the work we do is digital. Um, you know, I always hear people say, you know, the future, you know, the future is digital. You know, digital is just a platform. You know, just like print is a platform. It's not a business strategy. Uh, the way I describe our business is that we create content to engage audiences. And, and companies pay us either sponsorship, advertising, or consulting dollars to help connect with our audience. Our audience respects us. They trust us. Um, and we communicate with them 24-7, whether it be through newsletters, through websites, through our special events, through our print. And, the, and I think what we've started to do really, really well is move our audience. We inspire our audience. And so um, because they have so much faith in the work that we do and they love our content so much, customers come to us uh, and we can connect them with our client base. So we started this transition several years ago uh, from print to a diversified um, platform um, because we just see digital as another way to engage an audience. Like, how did you get in this business? Like, what's your story? I don't know. Have you always sort of been in this sort of communications area or have you been in other areas? I, I, we're going to talk a little bit more about your real estate work. Sure. What, how did you get in this sort of unique, you know, real times media? I got into this business by mistake. It was an accident. I, um, you know, I, I was doing a, it was, I was doing my version of venture capital. Um, I would find a business deal and I would go raise the money. I had a company called Global View Technologies, and basically we started that company doing low-end cabling, computers and telephones, cabling buildings to allow for technology. And and this was in, in 91, 92, the internet was just starting to get its feet. Uh, and then we just started buying these small technology companies that were either in bankruptcy or damn near in bankruptcy. And uh, we looked up one day and we had a significant enterprise it was doing about a hundred million a year uh, in seven states. Uh, we we're doing education, uh, defense, uh, automotive. Mm. And we, um, you know, it was, it was a great company. We bought Clover Technologies out in Wixom. Uh, and we were, you know, one of the largest black owned companies in the country, probably number three largest black company in tech. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the tech bubble happened in oh. but 2000 and 2001. And uh, we lost a large portion of our business. Uh, and ultimately we had to close down. And so during that moment, I really wasn't sure what my future looked like. Obviously, pretty devastated because I went through a hundred million dollar bankruptcy. <laughs> um, uh, so I, you know, you know, took some time off, and I r- was reminded 
by uh, my mentor, Dr. William Picard, that we had made an investment in a company called Real Times Inc. of Illinois. There was a group of men in Chicago who wanted to buy the Chicago Defender and, and the Michigan Chronicle and the Pittsburgh Courier. Um, and they came and asked us for their support. So we invested into their dream. And in 2003, roughly 2003, um, we realized that um, they needed more capital. And so the Detroit group, we put together more capital. And we ended up taking control of real times. And, you know, I got a call one day from Dr. Picard and said, hey, you know, what do you know about the newspaper business? And I said, nothing. He said, good, you're the CEO. So uh, <laughs> I actually um, also help out with Wake County Community College. I was a trustee there. And I do a, I sent my volunteer to do a podcast with them, but I interviewed Dr. Picard. You know that? He's a great guy and he's such a good role model and he puts so much back into the community. If I remember, I think he made most of his uh, success at automotive, right? Yes. Yes. That was his largest portfolio. Uh, he was a McDonald's operator. Uh, he was uh, the you know a shareholder in MGM Grand Casino. Um, but he has enterprises throughout the country. But I would say automotive is, has been his staple. Um, and he's just been a great mentor. He's inv been an investor in everything that I've done. Yes. Very iconic figure. Yeah. No, no, no. I, uh, Dr. Ivory hooked me up with him for the podcast, yeah. actually. Yeah. But um, the other thing, let's let's talk a little bit, too, about like your Paris, uh, Paradise Valley uh, real estate holdings. What exactly is that? Is that community economic development? I don't know exactly what, what, what your family oh. with is. Yeah, um, you know, for your listeners, Paradise Valley uh, is a district downtown Detroit. It's a it's a cultural and entertainment district uh, that we've been working on since I would say probably 2015, 16. Uh, the mayor and city council renamed uh, Harmony Park uh, uh they call it Paradise Valley now. And it's really a, you know, uh, uh, a tribute to the Black Bottom Paradise Valley neighborhood of the 30s and the 40s uh, that was primarily African-American and immigrants. Uh, this portion of downtown is going to be a thriving business district with restaurants and black owned businesses and uh, arts and culture and entertainment. It's going to be the gateway from Greektown Casino to the entertainment district. Uh, and we're really, really excited about it. Uh, it's a group of entrepreneurs. We came together. We bought all of the buildings. And we're working together now so that there is a theme that people can be proud of. My company, Paradise Valley Real Estate Holdings, is um, owns the building that is the headquarters for Real Times Media and Develop Detroit. Uh, and I'm also building a 90-unit apartment building, mixed-use facility. First floor is going to be, you know, 6,000 square feet of retail, a three-story parking deck with 90 upscale uh, apartment um, units. It's going to be called Hastings Place. 
uh, which is the main street in the old Paradise Valley, Black Bottom. Uh, but, you know, you're going to see soul food restaurants, Latina restaurants. Uh, there's an upscale lounge being built. Uh, there's a restaurant that's going to focus in low country. And there's a cigar bar, uh, a, a wonderful art gallery that's being built now. So I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised. Um, it's going to be a neighborhood that um, would be able to compete with any other neighborhood in downtown Detroit. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm fortunate that I've read a lot about it through Cranes, mainly, but I know there's been a lot of like site planning and yeah. make sure you get it right the first time. So, you, uh, so it's going to be walkable. And, but I, I think that that's, that's one of the more exciting projects, period, in the state of Michigan. If not the country in a way, I mean, you know, Detroit in a, in a weird way has more opportunities to other cities do. And I think you guys are doing a great job with it. Uh, I don't know who else is involved. Is there any other partners or stakeholders? Yeah, we got, we have, um, we have some, uh, our board, we, we established the Paradise Valley Conservancy uh, and the building owners. We have a board that we meet once a month. Dennis Archer Jr. is our chair. Uh, Rainy Hamilton, who owns the largest black owned architectural firm in the in the state, is on our board. Roger Basmajian, he's the owner of uh, Basco Construction. Uh, and um, well, did I miss anybody? I think uh, I think that's it. Um, but Ishmael Ishmael owns the uh, La Casa Cigar Bar. Oh yeah. Uh, and so we we've designed uh, this neighborhood. So that you're right, it is walkable. Uh, we just secured a a sizable grant from the MEDC uh, and the city of Detroit uh, to redo the sidewalks and the alleys. We're going to make the alleys an experience. We have a park that kind of connects all of our buildings. We're going to have programming in the park. Uh, so we're really excited. It's, 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 it's absolutely the placemaking at its best. Uh, and what I really like about it is that it's going to be a cultural experience as well. So, so yeah, we're 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 we've already started construction on many of these projects. So it's not it won't be it won't be too far in the future that we'll start to uh, have grand openings and and receptions for people to come enjoy it. You're listening to the Michigan Opportunity. Featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. Do you see any trends for any of your industries, whether it's media or community economic development? Anything else you want to highlight? Yeah, I, I mean, there's some exciting things that we're working on with our media company. We're, we're going to be hosting... Uh, what we're calling a black and brown clean energy summit in southeastern Michigan. Uh, but we've recruited and invited people from all over the country and in some places the world. It's called Recess, uh, Resilience and Equity in the Clean Energy uh, Sector. And it's a summit. We think it's going to be the largest gathering of, of African-American and Hispanic and indigenous entrepreneurs in the country. So, um we want Southeastern Michigan to be the place where clean energy entrepreneurs come to open up shop. Uh, we, we're starting to see a lot of the battery manufacturers come in. 
Uh, we think there's no better place in the world than Southeastern Michigan to come to uh, be a part of the new clean energy community. Uh, and so we, we're, we're kind of, uh, we're a publishing house. We're, we're, we're a content creator. And so we're focusing on making sure that people are aware of the entrepreneurial opportunities in clean energy, uh, as well as we want to document who's in the space now. Uh, and it's, it's our way of promoting our region. And, and we think it'll be great for job creation as people to start to migrate uh, into that space. We want them to open up their businesses in Southeastern Michigan. So we're, you know, that's that we're excited about that. Um, uh, we, we're also excited that um, you know, because of our large, we have a large database and we probably have about 600,000 people in the country uh, that we have contact information for that we communicate on a regular basis. Uh, and so companies are starting to work with us and be really concerned about job retention, job recruiting for the state of Michigan. Um, and so we've been in a lot of meetings working with the state of Michigan about how do we become a magnet for great African-American talent? And it all really ties together because, you know, what do people look for when they're looking to move into a community, right? Uh, great schools, uh, great arts and culture, recreation. You know, we have the best, uh, you know, fresh water in the world. We uh, we made a commitment to the new clean energy economy. We uh, so you know our platform um, is really serving to educate the rest of the country about the work that we do in southeastern Michigan. And because we have this amazing database, we're able to say you know create activations that allow people to come experience southeastern Michigan. So um, we're really excited about all that work too. Yeah, in fact, I think you know, but we had Natalie King on before I know is in the electric charging space and Lisa Lunsford, who's now doing some work with hydrogen. And do you know Dawn Batts? She's at Tech Town and she's trying to find, you know, more women entrepreneurs. And I think you've got a great chemistry going on for the city that I think you can tie up a lot of that. And having that database actually makes it like a draw for the city as well from around the country, maybe as you put this. Yo, absolutely. In fact, recess, you know, recess is the uh, clean energy summit. Uh, it's, it's Walker Miller energy services oh, yeah. and their phenomenal leader, Carla Walker Miller. Uh, she's phenomenal. She's um, doing work all over the country and, and really asked me to be a part of this Um and she really gives me access to what's happening in that space and what real times brings to the table is really um, the vast database and the network. So, um, you know, she's been amazing. And uh, you're right. All of those people that you named are great entrepreneurs and we're going to pull them into this as well. All right. Your last two questions. What advice, because you've had an interesting career, what advice would you give your 17-year-old self today? Wow. What <laughs> advice would I give my 17-year-old today? My 17-year-old self. I tell you, I, I, I really feel strongly about this. My biggest successes have come on the heels of my biggest failures. 
And this is another blessing from Bill Picard. He asked me to speak at an, uh, at one of his MBA classes uh, at the University of Michigan. And he asked me to speak on failure. And I was deeply hurt and disappointed because <laughs> he was asking me to talk about being a loser. <laughs> you know, that's how I received it. I had just gone through a bankruptcy, lost a big company. And um, it, it occurred to me after the speech why he asked, because most of us fail. Most of us fail. A lot of us fail miserably. And most of the people who are not successful were not were not are not successful because they didn't get back up. They got knocked down, but they didn't get back up. And the people who are successful found a way uh, after they cried, after they brushed the dirt off, they got up off the ground and they made it happen. So I would tell my 17 year old self that you're going to experience more failure than success. Uh, shake it off because each time you fail, you're going to be that much closer to the success that you're searching for. I wish I had known that at 17, but you really got to live it. You really got to live it to know. And I think the other one is, you know, save, start saving money earlier. I mean, yeah, be more sophisticated with how you save and invest your money. I've done well for myself and my family, uh, but I think that uh, my kids are going to be much more successful than I am because I've tried to encourage them to be uh, smart investors and and save money earlier. So I hope that makes sense. Well, no, no, no. Financial literacy is huge, and no. they get enough of it in school, so you. And I got to get it from parents and other mentors. Uh, the, um, but yeah, you're right about failure as well. I've had my successes, lots more failure. Right. No one makes a hundred percent of their shots. So, right. uh, so anyway, the last thing is real quick one, but um, what do you like best about living in Michigan? You know, that's a great question too. I get to travel. Uh, we do, obviously we do work in a lot of States. And so I, I think that I, I know, um, I've been able to assess this, uh, you know, my love for Michigan. Um, I like the changing of the seasons. I really do. I mean, spring and summer are distinct. Fall is beautiful. I love the sports. Uh, we're the, I think we're, I think Detroit is the only city in America that has all four sports teams in downtown Detroit. Uh, I think that's phenomenal. The Detroit Lions are in Detroit. The Detroit Pistons are here. Um, I love the freshwater lakes. I'm a my my dad raised me um, fishing, um, and we used to drive up to Point Pelee and uh, in Canada all all up through uh, Amherstburg, and you can go from Canada to Lake Superior. Five hours, you know, you can, I, I love in the springtime going um, uh, walleye fishing and summertime salmon. Um, it's just a great camping environment. Uh, and it's just old school values, hard nosed values. And 
Um, and, and, you know, I think that Michigan is going to be a safe haven, uh, environmental haven, you know, uh, the things that you read about what, what some of the Southern states and Western states are going to have to endure, even the East coast, um, cities, um, Michigan is being predicted that, uh, ultimately population will increase dramatically because we don't have those, um, traumatic weather experiences. So, yeah, so that's that's what I love about the state of Michigan. I've had an opportunity to move several times, but I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and it was a great year this year for walleye, by the way. Uh, our, our, our editor who's doing this today caught a lot of, he caught his limit, so you know. So oh, right, right. Uh, I, I, anyway, I, I, out twice. I went, I went out twice. Uh, um, I wish I could go out more. Um, but yeah, that's one of the, one of my childhood things that my dad, my mom always took us fishing. We had a ball and I love, I, I loved it. Well, anyway, I want to thank again, our guest today, Hiram Jackson. He's the CEO of Real Times Media and the publisher of the Michigan Chronicle. Uh, Hiram, really, I really appreciate your candidness and it was a really nice conversation. Thanks for doing this and keep up the good work in all your endeavors. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. Appreciate it so much. A lot of fun. Thank you. Join us next week where we'll have three guests. Paul Bussey, Vice President of Operations for the Grand Traverse Engineering and Construction. Anton Tony Matti. He's the President of Bayshore Steelworks, LLC. And Tom Durkee, Director of Tribal Business Development. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion.